That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. Ah. The comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car-selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. The countdown is on to fight time. This is Big Fight Weekend. Now, here is your host, TJ Reeves. We have flipped the calendar to the month of August, and we are ready for another weekend of pugilism of the sweet science. I am proud to help preview it here as part of Big Fight Weekend. I am merely the host of the podcast, and I look forward to talking with some special guests straight ahead. Huge fight card, huge figuratively and literally. Did you see what these guys weighed in at on Friday if you follow uh, Adam Kalnowski, and that is how you say it, even though it looks like Kalnacki, the Polish-American unbeaten heavyweight, weighing in at 266 pounds for his Saturday night showdown with Chris Ariola, 38-year-old California veteran journeyman who's already announced this is going to be my last fight if I don't win it. Uh, as he gets ready to take on Kownowski in this showdown at the Barclays Center, where Kownowski's looking to position himself for a title shot. Uh, Ariola's a former briefly uh, portion of the heavyweight championship holder, also lost recently in the last uh, couple of years to Deontay Wilder. What's going to happen in that main event of that PBC show? We're going to talk a lot about it on the podcast coming up with Michael Woods. Love Woodsy's insight, NewYorkFights.com, NYFights.com. Also does some stuff with Ring TV. Fight Night Live has his own podcast, Talk Box, the Talk Box podcast. Uh, Michael is in New York, has been in and around these fighters. That's the big main event. What's going to happen with Kalnowski, maybe in Deontay Wilder? We're going to talk about that throughout the podcast. Wilder now on the call of the fight on Fox TV coming on Saturday evening. So I'll talk to Michael Woods in a little bit. And then uh, about those fights, uh, obviously. And then later on, Marquise Johns is here with me, the senior writer, uh, the guy that uh, that runs and oversees BigFightWeekend.com. I look forward to talking with Marquise about the Kalnowski main event fight in New York. Also, Michael Conlon, the unbeaten uh, featherweight from Ireland in action Saturday afternoon, Saturday night. Uh, the UK time in Ireland fighting in Belfast, a, a fight that he should win. He's an up-and-coming, unbeaten featherweight and and really re- achieving uh, fame not just in Ireland and not just in the UK, but becoming a star uh, in, in a broader sense in the United States as he gets to be more seen, more known about. We'll be talking about him and his fight. Also, what's going on with Canelo Alvarez, who won't get in the ring, has been stripped now of his IBF middleweight title, doesn't have an opponent for this fall, So all of that has taken place now this week. When will we see Canelo again? He's no longer the undisputed middleweight champion. Marquise is going to help me sort that out as well 
And we'll talk about some great historical fights with Marquise, including Mike Tyson and Tony Tucker some 30-plus years ago that fought this week, and Thomas the Hitman Hearns and the nation finding out about him as well uh, in the Wayback Machine earlier this week when we go back on the historical perspective on BigFightWeekend.com. So I'm ready to get rolling with all of this, the insight on the fights this weekend uh, as we get going here on this edition of Big Fight Weekend. Here we go. Yes, we will see what happens Saturday night main event, PBC show from Barclays Center on Fox, Adam Kaunaski who is up-and-coming heavyweight, unbeaten, big time in the New York area. Oh, looky here on who will help us understand more about what it means here for this fight Saturday night in the Polish-American community uh, that's in and around New York. Michael Woods, Woodsy, is back with me, nyfights.com, newyorkfights.com. And also uh, his TalkBox podcast uh, as well. Knows the New York fight scene, knows how big a deal this is or is not going to be. So let's get some insight. Good to have you, my friend. My man, thanks for having me back. I do appreciate it very much. All right. Uh, Chris Ariola is the 38-year-old opponent. We believe, we all suspect, everybody thinks, this could be uh, <laughs> ugly and early. How, point mm. blank, point blank. How intrigued are you by this fight? Maybe not at all because you think Kownowski blows him out and knocks him out quick. No, I am intrigued. Uh, one, because I like Kovnowski. Good guy. Good kid. Humble kid. That matters to me. Uh, anyone listening, maybe they're like, hey, wait a second. You're a writer. You're an analyst. Uh, you're in media. Why do you care about liking someone or not? Um, I do. It matters to me. I root for people harder if I like them, and I like this kid. Again, I come back to humility. Um, he's, he's a nice dude. I've talked to him. He doesn't have airs about him. You know what I'm saying? Yep. Uh, so that, that's a starting point for me. Then number two, um, I think it's going to be a fun rumble, and I think it could last for a little while. Uh, here's how it breaks down. You got a guy going up the ladder, and you got a guy descending, and he's descending against his will, okay? Ariel is 38 years old, and you can talk a good game, you can say, I'm in the best shape of my life, and you can mean it. You can have work your butt off. You can have a new trainer who's kicking your tail and making your work really, really hard. Uh, shoot, you can even take exotic supplements. I'm not saying he is. <laughs> totally in, in generality, okay? But 38 is 38. Yep. And the vehicle, the vessel of the human body, it's mileage, baby. And Ariola has a lot of mileage on him. But I expect this one to be fan-friendly. That means, uh, while skills pay the bills, most people like to watch fights. Okay, They can say they appreciate the subtle art of pugilism and what have you. And many of us do. But guess what? We like to watch fights. Hey, you ever go to a hockey game? Guess when, what people uh, stomp their feet and, and cheer the loudest for Hey, stand in rush or what? No, the, the fancy passing and then the, the snapshot. No, it's the fight, bro. It's the fight. And it doesn't have to be uh, majestic as far as the orchestration of, of pugilism, throwing back and forth, sometimes a little bit sloppy. That's what I expect this one to be. 
Uh, tell your friends. Uh, you can blame it on me, my friend, if it doesn't pan out. You can say, well, Woodsy recommended this. I think this is going to be a really fun fight. It's going to be bombs away. It's going to be uh, a Pier 6 or whatever old school um, you know, motto you want to throw at it. Uh, I think it's going to be a fun fight. And guess what? The young guy is going to win. It's age versus uh, youth, relative youth. Kovnowski is 30 years old. My friend, he's on the ascent, and he is probably going to win, but it should be a fun fight to watch. Okay, so a couple more aspects to it. Uh, I mean, he's a very popular fighter in that area. Right. Again, give give the audience here that's listening, wherever they're hearing us, yeah. all over the place on Big Fight Weekend, there's a huge Polish population, and he right. is a uh, son of Polish immigrants, but he, born in, right. in, the, in the New York area, born in the United States. But this is a big deal for the Poles, for the Polish-Americans, yeah express how big a deal this is that he's the main event Saturday night uh, big damn deal now he has not grown to be as yet the level of attraction that Thomas Otomek was okay if people were following fights 10 or so years ago newer fans not necessarily going to know that name but Otomek uh, came from Poland and then really found a home second home in New Jersey uh, fighting for main events so he could bring, you know, he could get like 10,000 people there, maybe even more sometimes, right? Depending on the fight. Uh, Kovnowski hasn't reached that level yet, my friend. The last fight, you know, he's, he's uh, inching his way upward, right? He goes Spilka and then Martin and Kaladze, uh, you know, 1,000 people, then 1,500, oh, then 2,000. So uh, my guess is there'll be 3,000 or so. Uh, what I'll do is I'll put it up on at Woodsy1069. I'm going to message Kovnowski and say, how many people you expect there? Because I feel like, no, I feel like I should know. And I like it. You got him on the speed you, dial. You got him on the DM, on the uh, direct message. Just message I'm gonna, him. I'm going to yeah. DM, bro. Yeah. I am. I'm, yeah. I'm going to say, how many people you expect to get there? And because I, I, I feel like I should have known this and should have already asked this. But um, so he's not the level of attraction that Anatomic was. Um, but it makes sense. You beat an Areola, who is a good name, right? He, he's a name that. Um, hardcore boxing fans know, and even more so some casuals know. So you beat him, and then you step it up incrementally. Next year, probably, he gets himself some kind of a title shot, right? Uh, that's just the way these things work. He's situated nicely with PBC. They plan these, by the way, they plan these things um, kind of far in advance, right? I don't think boxing fans always know this, but Generally, people have sometimes like two-year plans. All right, this is what we think Kofnowski is going to do. We see him fighting two or three times a year, beat this guy, then that guy, and then we think he's situated nicely for Wilder uh, around this time. Now, uh, we also know stuff goes off the rails, right? Uh, the unforeseen happens. Boxing is the theater of the unexpected. Joshua Ruiz, to your point. Amen, Joshua brother. to Amen. Ruiz. Yeah, yeah. So don't plan too too far ahead. Just just don't. It's That's a fool's errand. Um, planning even a week ahead in boxing. Just let things play out. So let's see how it plays out Saturday. Um, this is not scripted like wrestling, but it is scripted in the way that it's supposed to go a certain way. There's the A side and there's the B side. And people that, while well, you know, and you know, hardcore fans know the people that are listening to your show, uh, most of them are pretty smart to it. You got your A side and you got your B side. Uh, I love it from the perspective of just loving upsets when the B-sides win. Um, that's just good for drama's sake. I don't expect that to happen in that main event Saturday. 
voice of Michael Woods, with us for a little while longer on the Big Fight Weekend podcast, Woodsy1069 on Twitter. NewYorkFights.com, NYFights.com is the website, the Talk Box podcast as well. Does a great job broadcasting fights uh, also on uh, Facebook Fight Night Live. So we love Michael's insight, and he's in and around uh, New York. Um, all right, on, on Ariola's front, uh, just real quick, he's gone with Joe Goosen, the legendary trainer, right. for this training camp. You made reference earlier. It doesn't matter necessarily who your trainer is and the examples you gave. You're ultimately 38. But to bring right. that back around, how much do you think it helps to have a prominent trainer who's been working with Chris Ariola? He said earlier in the week the, that the last 90 days he feels improved. We won't know till Saturday when he gets hit and he tries to right. throw punches, but he believes he's improved. How much do you think it's helped that Goosen is now with Ariola in the corner? Goosen don't know. Ariola don't know. None of us know until fight night. Camp can go real good. He can be doing his road work. He can be eating a little bit smarter, staying away from the beers, tacos. He does like those things. He said that before. And then, bang, on fight night, he just ain't there. You just you walk into the ring, and it's like, I just don't feel right. Did I overtrain, or, or what is it? It's weird. Sometimes it's mental, and no one really knows what it is. But... So we're not going to know until Saturday night. But here's the thing. I spoke to Goosen the other day, too. I said, all right, what, what, what you got cooking? You saw Manny Pacquiao do his thing against Steve Thurman. What else? He says, well, I'm training Chris Areola. He says, what? Um, Areola has been working his tail off. He has moved away from his home to move closer to camp, right? So no distractions. He's doing what I ask of him. We've been uh, sparring our butts off. Um, here's a little thing, a little tidbit I thought was kind of cool. Um, he uses one of those face bars in, in sparring, right? The bar across the face. Um, and what that does is sometimes it gives you a false sense of security. Uh, Goosen had him take that off, and he's sparring with just a regular headgear. Uh, and to that end, what that could do is it could be making him more cognizant of working on his defense and his head movement during camp. Could that translate and help him on Saturday night against Kovnowski? Maybe. But I'm now I'm going to go and revert back to being not the cynic, but I think the realist who says that dude is 38. He is what he is. As a fighter, as a human being, not necessarily, right? We can, we can change our ways and we can improve and we can get spiritually more correct and all that. But as a fighter with muscle memory stuff, you're kind of, you're kind of likely to be what you were. So um, what he has been up to this point is a uh, – a step above a journeyman. He's not a journeyman. He's, you know, a world-class operator for, for a good 12 years now. Um, but he probably, at this point in his career, a little long in the tooth, doesn't so much probably matter who's in the corner and who's trained him. It's about him. It's about him. Okay, uh, one more thing. We always love refreshing honesty. You mentioned earlier in the conversation. One more thing on Kalnowski. Uh, is that he said earlier in the week, hey, um, I, I missed out on an opportunity to maybe fight Anthony Joshua, and who knows what might have happened if he had gotten in the ring June 1 at Madison Square right. Garden instead of Andy Ruiz. Maybe Joshua would have knocked him out. We don't know. 
But he he admitted, I was not in shape when Eddie Hearn and Matchroom Boxing came calling, and I have learned from that that I have always got to be in shape in between my fights because you never know when the phone call comes. I thought that was refreshing honesty from a fighter who now realizes I I missed a big opportunity that Andy Ruiz took advantage of, Michael. Bro, I'm with you a thousand percent. Anytime anyone in this uh, society is is offering honesty and being candid, because let's face it, there's so much BS being flung every day (laughs) all over the damn place. I'm right there with you. Um, Now, I was under the impression that Joshua kind of on the other side of the street there as far as um, promotion and platform and all that. So I didn't think that it was going to be sort of possible for Kovnowski to go over there and fight Joshua anyway. Um, He did tell me probably six weeks or so ago, something along those same same lines. He said, um, yeah, I want a, a true and proper uh, camp, you know, a good 12 week camp for a guy, the caliber of Joshua. So he, he, um, he got into even more depth and detail when he said what you said there about, you know, he just wasn't in the proper shape. I like that. Um, I like that. He is admitting that geez, 30 years old and I'm still learning stuff. Um, that's helpful. That's not just for fighters, but in all of us in life, right? If we can, um, actually take that step back and, and not fall for our own BS and hyping and rationalizations. Um, and we can say, well, geez, I, I didn't give myself the best chance to, to really win there. If you do that, um, you're going to give yourself a better chance to just keep on improving. And then everyone can do that in all walks of life, right? A fighter, uh, his caliber can still be doing it, still learning little things, little tweaks. Um, so I'm, I'm right there with you, man. I like hearing that from Kovnowski. All right, I'm going to let Woodsy get out of here in just a second. Uh, I'm curious, though, because, again, this is in yeah. your your area here. Besides the main event, I know, unfortunately, Andre Berto injured in sparring last weekend, so his right. fight canceled because of the serious uh, left tricep injury uh, for him. Uh, so now right. the Marcus Brown, uh, Jean Pascal, uh, interim light heavyweight title fight, WBA interim light heavyweight title fight is on the card. Uh, Curtis Showtime Stevens is on the on the undercard as well, middleweight, 10-round fight. Is there another fighter or fight on this card that intrigues you besides the obvious main event? Bro, uh, the older I get, probably I become more entranced and intrigued by those guys who are trying to bad back father time. And, and, and in this case, I'm looking at you, Jean Pascal. Uh, I think that he's in real tough against a real young gun, young, hungry, strong, fierce, ferocious from Staten Island, Marcus Brown. Uh, he, Marcus Brown should have the edge in volume, activity, even punching power, uh, everything. And then Pascal, my friend, can say, well, I have the edge in experience. Yeah, but um, there's that fine line between experience and just kind of being, again, that phrase, a little bit long in the tooth. Um, he is, and uh, what we also said before about mileage, Pascal, too much mileage. Um, but would I be disappointed if we saw Pascal in his, what, later 30s, uh, showing that young gun that, no, still got something left in the tank and pulling the B-side upset, uh, Jean Pascal uh, showing that he got something left in the tank and the Haitian-Canadian is uh, still got something 
left to do in this sport, I would not be displeased to see that from a fan perspective. So I'm looking forward to that fight. We will see how it goes coming on Saturday night. Will uh, Adam Kownowski get Chris Oliera, or I'm sorry, Chris Ariola out of there quickly? Will it take right. a while? I mean, Ariola believes he's got a legitimate chance to win, and, and Kownowski's saying the right things. I'm prepared to go 12. If I have to go 12 to get this victory, to get it, I agree with you. Kownowski knows what's in his future here. If he is spectacular in this fight, it really paves the way for him to get a shot against Deontay Wilder at some point, probably in 2020, provided everything, as you say, doesn't go off the rails. So right. that's why we lace them up, right, on uh, on uh, Saturday night there in the Barclays Center to see what happens. Listen, a treat to have you on. Go to uh, go to NewYorkFights.com to read more about what you're hearing from Michael Woods. He's a great follow on Twitter for a lot of reasons, including boxing, including on fight weekends and fight nights. Woodsy1069 on Twitter. Do we have anything else that we can promote? Talk Box Podcast, right? Man, uh, no. Great guest you, there as me. well. You, no, bro, you've gone above and beyond, and I appreciate it. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to uh, message Kovnowski and ask how many people he, uh, <laughs> he got coming to see him on Saturday. Anything else you want to know that I can do? Color of the trunks. Can we get that? Here. Color color of the trunks. Color of the gloves. Uh, if you get that, a, just I'll give I'll a scoop. Send, yeah, I'll send, out a picture. I'll send out a picture of his gloves, too, okay? <laughs> get the full breakdown. Yeah. Woodsy, thank you, brother. Yeah, man. Thank you for having me. I, I had a great time. I appreciate it. You be well, okay? We're back on Big Fight Weekend. Now, here's your host, TJ Reeves. I am ready to mix it up. Always love the insight, uh, the humor of the lead writer on BigFightWeekend.com, the purveyor, the overseer, the man that keeps me in the middle of the road with all things all over the globe boxing. He is Marquise Johns back here on the Big Fight Weekend podcast. We've got heavyweights. We've got controversy out of the ring involving Canelo. We've got a huge UK up-and-coming star that's in action on Saturday. I have much to discuss with you, my friend. And we flipped the calendar to August uh, now. Uh, How are you, Marquise? Pretty good, TJ. Man, what a year it's been so far, and what a wild week it has been in boxing as well. Okay, so we'll get to some of the antics out of the ring. Let's get out of the way the talk of the Konowski main event with Chris Ariola, Barclays Center, Saturday night, PBC on Fox. I spent a lot of time talking with Michael Woods, with Woodsy about it. Uh, Woodsy in and around New York, around the fighters. Size this one up. Is it going to end quickly? Is Ariola going to give him some trouble? And this may take a while. Uh, what, what do you think about this heavyweight main event where Kownowski is clearly trying to position himself for a title shot, Marquise? Kownowski clearly, is, as he mentioned, was going to build his dad bod reputation. And at the weigh-in, he came in, uh, TJ, at the heaviest of 266 pounds. Really? This is not going, yeah, this is not going 12 rounds at all. Ariola also has hinted that if he loses this fight, he's done. And it will be an interesting run that he's had as a boxer, as a heavyweight as well. But I do wonder with Kownowski coming in at such a heavyweight, how, this thing goes, off the top of my head, isn't that up from his last fight by easily like 15, 20 or more pounds? And does that indicate not in any kind of shape or what? Either he's not in any kind of shape or he's been uh, digging into Andy Weiss's Snickers bars. It's definitely one of the two. And I'm thinking with him coming at this way, he's going for the quick knockout to make this night early for everybody out in Brooklyn in a very, 
very heavy New York uh, based card, by the way, on Fox Saturday after Saturday uh, night. Uh, yeah, and 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 obviously he's got a following as we were talking about with uh, with Woods, huge Polish community, Polish American community in New York, in New York City. And and he'll have several thousand fans at the Barclays Center to watch him try to deliver the big knockout. So uh, in any event, Deontay Wilder is at ringside on the call on this. And Wilder, uh, look, it's it's a natural thing. He's a PBC fighter. Joe Goosen is normally on the play-by-play call, and we wrote about this on Big Fight Weekend, but he's been training Areola. He's gotten with the 38-year-old Areola in this training camp back in, like, April and has been with him now for the last three months. So Goosen is not on the mic. He's in the corner with Areola and DeAndre. Uh, I'm sorry, Deontay Wilder is in um, on the play-by-play call here. What do you make of that? Uh, I think it'll be interesting to hear because Kownowski could end up being a, a fighter that ends up fighting Wilder somewhere down the road, 2020 at the earliest, but he could end up fighting Deontay Wilder. I find it intriguing that PBC does this where they, they rotate every so often when it's not Goosen or they usually have you know Mancini hang out with him or Lewis. They usually have a one of PBC fighters actually in the booth with them uh, for these fights. And Wilder, as entertaining as Wilder is going to be, is always going to be amusing on the microphone. So I'm always look, I'm looking forward to hearing his insight on that for the fight. And as well, this could always, as you mentioned, TJ, set up a potential fight with Kanaksky or Ariel the winner. Well, he's already fought Ariel before. Right. Uh, and it, a potential fight down the line with him as well with these, these heavyweights and implications in the, the DS circle that they're going through. All right, so that's, uh, again, that's the main event. I, I know, uh, again, to reference Michael Woods with NewYorkFights.com, he said, hey, Marcus Brown, Jean Pascal on the undercard for the light heavyweight interim uh, belt that's on the line. Also, intrig- anything else? Does that one intrigue you? Anything else on the undercard there of the Fox show in Brooklyn that intrigues you for Saturday night? The one card that's going to open up the fight actually is, as we know, uh, TJ, Andre Berto, the fight actually I honestly was looking forward to got scrapped because he got injured with a torn bicep. In replace of that, they got Curtis Showtime Stevens, who I have not seen since uh, the Triple G fight in 2013, <laughs> is going to lead this Fox fight card off against Wally Amatoso, one of the PBC uh, contenders that they have as well. I'm looking to see what version of Stevens is going to show up because this is going to be his debut at 154. I normally see him usually at a, at a heavier weight, so we'll see how that hands, handles out and sticks out so far. All right, so those are the heavyweights and the light heavyweights that are in the ring Saturday night in Brooklyn. At the time we're taping, we now know Tyson Fury, who, again, we've talked a lot about him. Uh, Fury now fighting a second non-title fight against another no-name fighter. It's now been announced by top rank. It's been confirmed that the fight will be in September in Las Vegas. It is Fury Otto Valin, who is a Swedish unborn heavyweight. If you haven't heard of him... You're not alone. Uh, Valine is 20-0, and 0, but not much is known. I know, Marquise, you've got a little bit of insight on him, but what about this opponent? Because it, it is not someone that, that America's going to get excited about again. We're 0 for 2 on having anybody care. It's hard to get someone amped up for this Fury fight knowing that the guy he's facing has less footage on him than the Suarez fight that he had to dig through the archives and archaeology footage for this guy hasn't had an official fight dj in 2019 he's had a no contest and he's had a fight stripped from the washington state of athletic commission so right with that with that being in mind with valine you would think with people trying to defend this at what point tj and i'll put it post this question to you how are these two fights going to make him better for the rematch with fury and t- with wilder in 2020 what, i mean because- what it completely looks like is 
take your check, take your money, bide your time, and fight someone that is no threat whatsoever to beat you and toy with him as long as you want and then knock him out. That's all this. It looks like it, it's like going back to Rocky Three. When, when they're having the conversation in the house, Rocky and Mickey, about whether the fighters he's been fighting, he's, you know, it's, it was my job to protect you, Rocky. He's like, what is setups? He's like, they wasn't setups. They was handpicked, right? Right? That was the line. They was handpicked. <laughs> These are like handpicked, right? That's what this is like to fight Otto Valin, who who is somewhere between a pulse and an ambient. I'm not sure for the U.S. fight fans, because again, uh, he's fought no one that you would know in Sweden and uh, and fought a couple of times outside of Sweden, but not, not in the United States until in April. In April, he fought really a, a little-known American named Nick Kisner. They were fighting on the undercard of a Showtime fight card in April, and the fight went all of one round when a clash of heads caused a nasty cut on Kisner he couldn't see. Uh, above the right eye, they stopped the fight. They ruled it no contest. So that's Valine's first trip to the U.S. His second trip to the U.S., <laughs> he didn't even get in the ring, Marquise, because as you mentioned, B.J. Flores failed the pre-fight physical. So he's not had a fight in the United States, and uh, you just you, you just wonder here: is this going to go more than a round or two again for Fury because the. The Schwarz fight looked like in June that he was looking for a soft place to land from the ring walk until the time he stepped through the ropes. He was checking out the canvas on what's the easy, it's kind of the same thing here. And I, I, I again come back to this is a larger problem. I want your feeling on this, that the American, the American fight fan is savvy. And so you did this once where, where, Fury put the Apollo Creed trunks and hat on and pretended like he was Apollo Creed and July 4th is coming up even though I'm not an American. And he's doing the whole <laughs> reenactment of coming to America like Apollo Creed, living in America, America, the James Brown song. How do you, I mean, the American fight fan doesn't care about this. You're not going to be able to recapture that again and, and have anybody care about this fight. It should have been a better opponent, Marquise. I'm off my soapbox. No, your soapbox is fine. And you're right, TJ, because this fight, as we mentioned before on this podcast all the time, as I tell you, TJ, this looks like favorable opposition for Tyson favorable. Fury. None. This looks like none whatsoever opposition, the guy that and, he's and fighting. It, and it's crazy, TJ, because I remember when I was talking on a prior podcast about of, of someone having Fury, having a problem with Fury, having someone for him to fight. And, it, and the names we were rattling up weren't exactly, you know, murderer's row here. We were mentioning names like Kubaf Pulev, who finally got reinstated, or Jarrell Miller, who isn't still reinstated. And they went they, even last week. They mentioned they're eyeing uh, uh, the back the back end of the PBC roster of Charles Martin, the LeBron James of boxing. <laughs> and now we got Otto. Well, Wayley, and who- and supposedly earlier in the week, it had been rumored that Alexander Povetkin, who fought Anthony Joshua what a year ago and lost um, last fall, and Povetkin, who free who previously failed a drug test and yeah. was stripped of his belt prior to fighting Deontay Wilder, that Povetkin might have been Tyson Fury's opponent. But even more comically, Povetkin didn't want to fight Tyson Fury. He's instead doing a matchroom deal and fighting the brother, Huey Fury, the younger brother, uh, for that. So that was announced earlier in the week, and now we get this, and, and this is kind of like this is kind of like we live in Florida, you and I, and you have one of those scratch-off tickets and you won something, but what you won was another scratch-off ticket. That's what, You didn't really yeah, win anything. You didn't win anything at all, and you get, you, get, you get the pick of the litter of the rest of the litter. Yeah. And with, 
And with this fight with Fury, I'm intrigued because ESPN has put a lot of money in promoting Tyson Fury, as you mentioned, with the with the lineal champion. He's wearing the jacket. They got him fighting Suarez, who no one's heard of. And the only thing that has come to fame for that Suarez fight still to me, TJ, is the fact that he went to the Wayne eating a Snickers bar. That's my, <laughs> my, my claim to fame for Tom Suarez. I would be intrigued on how ESPN is going to put lipstick on this pig in regards to Otto Valen and making him as a formidable opponent or anybody that anyone in America will know because, TJ, we I follow this as a you-know-well, and, and there's no footage on this guy. So... Except the point. one round with Kisner where they clash heads and it's over. So you, I agree. And we've already spent more time talking about it than the fight will probably last. Pretty especially much. Especially if Tyson Fury <laughs> chooses to put the big punch on Vileen. So again, that fight for September. Uh, but clearly this is bide your time and wait for Deontay Wilder. And, I, I, you know, who knows if that if that rematch is actually going to happen. There is nothing officially announced. Obviously, the, the Luis Ortiz fight is coming first. It's contingent on Wilder winning that fight. And then I'm not so sure that Wilder doesn't go ahead and fight Andy Ruiz if he's available or fights Konowski if he's available. If Konowski wins spectacularly Saturday night, I'll put the question to you. Let's say he's fighting Areola, who you mentioned Wilder fought and Wilder struggled to put Areola away. If he fights Areola Saturday night and Konowski destroys him in the first or the second round, there are going to be people craving a, a, a Konowski fight with Deontay Wilder sooner rather than later. Why would you fight Tyson Fury? Instead of fighting the guy that that more people would care about in this country, it would make sense. And also, would uh, would Wilder facing more than likely the winner of if Kanowski, for example, it would be a bigger name recognition at point at this point in the states because Kanowski's being on local Fox free TV in a big time heavyweight fight, in the main event, and it would be a fight against a formidable opponent, an opponent we all have heard of. Yep. Not Otto Wallin, who outside of Sweden, no one has heard of. And it's interesting because with these fights that Fury is taking, TJ, I'm going to pose a question to you. Do you think it's devaluing his stock in regards to this rematch yes. with, with Wilder? Yes, uh, because it doesn't mean anything. I mean, if he wins, I, I kind of wrote about this before the Schwartz fight, and then I was hoping it would be better competition this time, but it's not. But if he wins, what does everybody say? That's what you were supposed to do. Supposed to do. knock him out in the first or second round is what you're supposed to do. If the fight goes seven or eight rounds, what's everybody saying? How in the world did it go seven or eight rounds with a stiff? And heaven forbid... The guy somehow roughs you up, knocks you down, maybe upsets you. Now it ruins everything anyway. I don't think there's much of a chance of that happening. But but still, on door number one and door number two, if you beat him early, everybody says, so what? And if you beat him later, you, you raise more eyebrows. It would be better if you were fighting a better fighter. This is an obvious point. And even if you struggled to put him away and won by decision, let's say, I think that would mean more to American fans if it was a better fighter. This just says to me you don't want to take any risk whatsoever. So you're just gonna you're gonna fight a guy that they could find who would agree to the price. Hey, Valine is just hoping that it goes past the first round because he hasn't been past the first round in 2019 and hasn't <laughs> even been in the ring the last time that he had one of these deals. Wally's well, just looking for action, TJ, as we all know. Which yeah. I'm, I'm hope I'm hoping for his hockey. Okay, for his sake he does. Good segue. Crazy. Good segue. Looking for action. We've been looking for action for from Canelo Alvarez, the world middleweight champion. And lo and behold, at the time we're taping, it has finally happened that Canelo Alvarez is stripped of his IBF version of his middleweight championship. Um, And and that is because they had a a series of deadlines. They wanted him to fight their number one contender, another Russian. Here we go again with the international fighters in um, 
uh, Sergey Derevyuchenko. Derevyuchenko is the number one contender. They wanted him to fight Derevyuchenko. Derevyuchenko is best known from a very entertaining 12-round fight for the vacant IBF title that he lost to Daniel Jacobs about a year and a half ago. Uh-huh. So that's what Derevyuchenko is known for. That's his one loss. He's 13-1. and one. The IBF is saying to Canelo, you got to fight him. And Canelo couldn't get a deal done with him. And so the IBF has stripped him. And so now Oscar De La Hoya, who promotes Canelo with Golden Boy, he's ripped the IBF. What's going on here? Here's the bottom line. Canelo doesn't have an opponent at the time we're talking right now. Doesn't have a fight yet. Derevyuchenko, it looks like, is now going to fight Triple G, Gennady Golovkin, for the vacant belt coming in October. The IBF saying, okay, look, if you, don't, if you Canelo, don't want to fight this guy, we've got a vacant title fight set up here. Golovkin Derevyuchenko, so Marquise, make heads or tails out of all of that, please, for me, for the audience. Absolutely. With Alvarez being stripped, and I think on his end in Golden Boy as a general, TJ, I thought this was just a power play to keep the IBF belt, who I'm convinced, even before he won it against Jacobs, was not going to fight the mandatory that was already set up in place with Derevyuchenko to begin with. So he was just keeping the belt as keep away because the next person in line for Derevyuchenko as the number three contender because the IBF is weird and the number two spot's vacant is Golovkin. And what better way to not avoid that third fight that Alvarez has been dodging with Golovkin for so long, and without a reason, is that Golovkin does not have a belt. If Golovkin wins against Dovrachenko, he has the IBF belt, and they can go up with the Calvarez again and be like, hey, I have a belt, let's try to have his unification belt again, and yep. sets, up, sets, sets up once and over again. And keep What's in mind, this- Golovkin's 38, so the clock is ticking. He's older, and so... He's wanting that fight with Alvarez before 2020 gets deep into it, before he's 39. Heaven forbid that he's 40. So there's a more sense of urgency on Triple G's part here. Absolutely. And with Triple G you know, getting older, not younger, and Alvarez at this point really just wait, buying his time out. He was really just playing keep away with that belt, which I think it was a fight that he wasn't going to happen. And it's, it's kind of disingenuous that Golden Boy, TJ, has been saying for like the last few weeks and months of like, we weren't going to fight anybody originally, and now they couldn't find any competition for Canelo, despite the whole boxing community one that shot at Al- Alvarez. And now, go Oscar late last night and this morning was being mad, at, you know, saying that he didn't have enough time to make a fight. At what point he wasn't going to fight? So how much time do you need? Well, yeah, so, the point that you're making is they announced back a month ago he's not Canelo going to fight the rest of this year. And I think about 17 minutes later, DeZone and John Skipper, who used to run ESPN, runs DeZone and their boxing arm, they they fired off an immediate response, a press release, social media, and said, ah, no, the discussions so fast, exactly are still ongoing that we, we have not ruled out a fight for him in late 2018 somewhere. Um, what a mess. And so I pose to you, Marquise Johns, BigFightWeekend.com, uh, at what point does DAZN look at this mega uh, uh, all-time deal, all-time guaranteed deal of $365 million that they advanced? They didn't advance it. That's the wrong word. They guaranteed him that amount of money over a 10-fight deal. So he's fought two fights of that 10-fight deal right now. At what point do they look to void this deal, nullify this deal, and say it is bad business for us? You're not interested in fighting big-time fighters. You were trying to not fight anybody at all this year. Do you believe that DAZN is looking at that possibility of trying to void the deal, restructure the deal, lessen the deal? 
Howie Mandel, deal or no deal, what do you make of it, Marquise? I think the zone is trying to find some way to either get some form of rebate or some sort of discount on these Alvarez fights because even with the Devichenko fight, if, if, if that was even to be made final, they mentioned that it'll be a five five <laughs> they, they take it at five million dollars less. Did you like so, that? Did you like I a love- little uh hey, uh if you're not fighting the guy that we really want and that we can really sell, you're gonna take five million less. And, and there must be some kind of give and take in their in their agreement. I obviously haven't seen it, that gives them the right to do that. Or else, why would they even suggest that as part of the deal that we're going to give you $5 million less for the fight? I'm just wondering, at one point, they don't come to Oscar De La Hoya and say, hey, if he's not fighting in October or November, we're coming back to the table and we're, we're rediscussing, revisiting, revising how much money we're giving him because we're a subscription service based on these name fighters fighting and you're killing our business model by sitting and playing peekaboo with every contender. <laughs> it's amazing that they're doing this, TJ, and it all just comes down to with Canelo and Triple G. At some point, they're going to either A, get together, B, get along, and C, make this third fight happen because at the end of the day, these both these guys signed with the zone exclusively to fight on the zone. And the zone wants this fight. That's there's no if ands or buts about it. People might may not want some to see kind it of again. Fight. Some kind of fight. fight. Uh, get get Triple G in there with him. Uh, do so. Look, I I totally get that. Most of the time, a champion's going to fight a big fight, let's say a mega fight, and then fight somebody lesser known. That's been going yes. on in boxing for decades. You get that. Our audience Absolutely. gets that. I get that. Okay, so he fought Daniel Jacobs. It was a hard-fought battle. He was the better fighter. I I remember coming off of that fight, I said it was good. It was not great. It was not spectacular. That's fine. Okay, you want to fight a lesser fighter here at the end of of, uh, 2019? I'm fine with that. Whether it's Derev Yachenko you're fighting. They had talked about the WBO 154-pound champ, Jaime Munguia, the Mexican-American. They talked about moving him up. You want to fight one of those with the contingency, like Skipper and DAZN were saying, that the next fight is Triple G? I'm fine with all of that. But apparently Canelo doesn't want the third fight with Triple G until Triple G has a walker and an oxygen bottle coming to the ring. He's going to wait him out, a la like the Floyd Mayweather tactics. And maybe DAZN, I come back to this, maybe DAZN has gotten wind of all of this and they have buyer's remorse that we no longer are interested in 10 fights or maybe even 8 fights or or dare I even say maybe beyond a third fight with Canelo Alvarez in a 10-fight deal because he's not willing to fight top-notch fighters, apparently, for whatever reason, and we can't, as a subscription service, sell his fights. We can't afford to pay him that money. We can't sell his fights. We can't sell subscriptions with him. Absolutely, and and that's going to be a problem, too, with the zone. If if they can't sell fights, then they can't pay Canelo. If they can't pay Canelo, then that's got to be the end of it. It's just just that simple. And I'm wondering, with Canelo... You know, supposedly it's being set up now to fight uh, Demetrius Abubu Andrade at 154, which is a better fight on paper than I expected. As opposed to the, the other names that are mentioned, they're mentioning Kovalev at one point. They're mentioning right. McGee, as you mentioned, is like those aren't exactly the names that are going to bring you back into bang, buying the zone. Let's be honest. But this fight with, Deont- with, with, with Demetrius actually is intriguing on a, on a paper, at least it does. We'll see how it looks well, in Adra- the Andrade can box. The, que- yes. the question becomes, how interesting is that fight? And my lord, I, I'm not being revisionist here. They could have made that fight a month ago. 
and they could have announced it for September in and around Mexican Independence Weekend, like we've been talking about on these podcasts. They could yes. have already had that fight. So it's it's obvious, and the common theme is they they for whatever reason, Golden Boy Canelo can't come to terms with the opponent on the right amount of money. So I wonder if we're not going to do this two step through the rest of August. And you're going to find out that Andrade is being lowballed in the contract offer, and they're not going to fight. So I, I still am waiting. Let's watch and wait for the insiders, the Mike Coppingers uh, of uh, of the Athletic, Dan Rafel of ESPN, who does a great job, Keith Idick, Boxing Scene, all these guys that have the insight, Lance Pugmire of the, of the Athletic, and all the Chris Mannix. Let's see who leaks, and Mannix is inside on DAZN. Let's see who yes. leaks that DAZN has buyer's remorse. I know I keep coming back to that, and they try to redo the deal. In the meantime, here's what we know. Derevyuchenko and Golovkin are going to sign to fight soon if they haven't already uh, in the time that we're recording this podcast and doing this segment, if they haven't signed already to fight (laughs) this fall. And then will Canelo fight someone else in and around the same time or not at all? That's what remains to be seen. Those are the two things that we're watching out for. Uh, for that part, all right, we got to run along soon. I know you're you've been writing on the site about Michael Conlon, Ireland's uh, up and coming star fighter, star in the making, unbeaten young fighter. He fights Saturday afternoon U.S. time. ESPN Plus has it in the United States on the subscription service from Belfast. Tell me more. Tell me why we should get excited here. Go ahead, Marquise. This is this is going to be the homecoming fight for Michael Conlon in regards to being in Belfast Island in front of 10,000 of his hometown, well, at this point, as you mentioned, uh, home country fans yeah. at this point against uh, Diego Berto Luis, which in, in terms of opposition for him is not exactly the strongest. It was really supposed to be Vladimir Nikim who got injured in, in a part of their rematch from the 2016 Rio games, which was very debatable. So we'll see with... Conlon, in regards to this fight, if this will platform him into being the next big thing for top ranking ESPN on on this card, it's actually going to be interesting to see how he looks in front of his home crowd. And so again, uh, we, we you know we've seen this. There there have been some lighter weight fighters all throughout the years that have been uh, stars um, over in the UK. And is this guy that guy? I've seen a couple of features uh, on him. You, you wonder, how does he handle so much of the pressure and the eyes on him? Perfect example, different sport, that they just played the what the, the golf uh, world's uh, big event. It's the Open Championship. We call it the British Open here, where it's always, it's always played in the rain and the wind in the UK. Well, they played yes. the tournament in Northern Ireland at a course where they had not played that event in almost 70 years, and there Ooh. was so much pressure pressure on Northern Ireland's Rory McIlroy, one of the stars, the worldwide stars of golf, to go, and and he's a former Open champion, to go and have a big tournament, if not win the tournament, and Rory McIlroy absolutely uh, flatlined. He he blew it right off the bat, took a, took a quadruple bogey eight on the first hole, and never oh, really wow. recovered under all the pressure in the limelight. And he openly talked about he was feeling pressure to go and win this tournament in front of home country and all the fans and all the patriotism. Uh, you wonder, again, when a country's behind somebody like this, and they're fighting in a marquee fight. And, and again, he's not a champion. It's a lower-level lower, lower level contender fight, undefeated. He's supposed to win. 
But at what point does that pressure really become a factor? Will it be a factor Saturday afternoon to live up to the expectation you're supposed to knock this guy out and do it quick and give us something spectacular? Let's see what happens with Michael Conlon. I'm, I'm interested to see. Um, how quick does he, if he does, does he dispose of a guy that we believe he should dispose of uh, fairly quickly in this one in Diego Alberto Ruiz? And I know you're interested in another fight, what, on the undercard in Belfast as well on ESPN Plus Saturday afternoon? Absolutely. I'm intrigued also as well with uh, Patty Barnes uh, making his, uh, his his weight class jump after rebounding, um, uh, ironically fighting on the Michael Conlon card in, uh, back in March on St. Patrick's Day. He's making the, the weight jump up, too. It was Joe Gonzalez, correct? I believe, uh, yes, jo- Joel Sanchez, I'm sorry. Joel and Sanchez, it's, and it's supposed sorry. to be a Bantamweight six-rounder. Yes. Um, and we've got a couple of Padrigs and a couple of Potties that are on this because you've got Potty Barnes or Patty Barnes. You've got Padrig McCrory, who's fighting as a super middleweight. And you've also got, Patty, got Gallagher Patty Gallagher fighting for the, uh, for the vacant Commonwealth welterweight title. So, so we've got, uh, you know, well, we've got enough to there? be confused by, but you're saying Patty Barnes, Bantamweight intrigues you six round fight here conlin is the 126 pound division the featherweight yes. division 10 round main event northern ireland espn plus will have it here in the united states so other than that let's see how it goes including the pbc show coming up oh and uh, while we plug away for bigfightweekend.com we want everybody to go check the website out one thing you and i enjoy we love is talking about the historical fights in boxing. I know you wrote about Mike Tyson uh, earlier yeah. this week. What on Thursday was the anniversary of him becoming undisputed heavyweight champion, right? Tell me more. Absolutely. Mike Tyson, it, yesterday on Thursday, and it was the 32 anniversary of him becoming the undisputed champion of the world in the heavyweight division where he had both the IBF, the WBA, and WBC belts. In a time where Tyson Mania was finally in full swing, where he knocked out Tony Tucker with the shortest reign as a heavyweight title holder at 64 days. A fight that... I thought, you know, you did a great job because I didn't remember this. You did the research. I thought it was weird when I went and looked at how quickly... uh, What happened is Don King followed the money. Don King went to HBO and said, essentially, we need to have a heavyweight semifinal, kind of like what they do now with these Super Series things. We need to have a heavyweight semifinal and have the winners meet for the undisputed title. So what was it? It was it was Tony Tucker uh, fighting Buster Douglas, right, for the, the IBF semifinal. belt, right? Because to, yes. to, the IBF belt was vacant, so they had to establish a champion. And what was it, Tyson and who? Pinklon Thomas? Pinklon Thomas, that's correct. And it's funny you mentioned the World Boxing Super Series, TJ. You'd think it with history repeating itself with... In the, in, with, with the World Boxing Super Series, you hear problems about you know boxers not wanting to participate and money issues with promotions. Shocking! This heavyweight, this championship series. What problems do they have? Boxers not wanting to participate in issues with promotions. So I find it to be amusing because originally in the IBF pile was it became Tucker versus Buster Douglas, as we all know. Originally it was Michael Spinks, but Michael Spinks found four million dollars to fight Jerry Cooney instead, and followed the money, and the IBF took his belt from him. So, so that's right. So Spinks, Spinks was the lineal champ. He had beaten yes. Larry Holmes. They had recently created the IBF, like in the mid nineteen eighties. He was yes. now the IBF champion. Um, I think they designated him as that champion, and so he chose. You wrote this. He chose to fight D- Jerry Cooney. 
Uh, and Jerry Cooney's still uh, doing some broadcasting in and around on Sirius XM. I don't know what's happened yeah. to Michael Spinks, but Spinks yeah. fought Cooney for, what, an extra 3 or $4 million because the Don King prize money wasn't enough to be a semifinalist, is what you're saying. Absolutely. Take the money and run, as they say in the business. And he fought... Uh, so, so Spinks fought Cooney instead, which left it the belt, the belt vacant, right. which, which, which made, the, which made the, Tucker. The thing I was trying to get to, and I've meandered yes. around through this whole discussion with you on all subjects, but Don King convinced these guys not only fight the semifinals, but this was like the summer of 1987 that you're talking yes. about, and they fought the championship fight because Tyson beat Pinklon Thomas with like a six-round knockout, and the championship yes. fight was 60 days later. It wasn't like it was six months later. It was two months later. And Tony Tucker's fight, same thing, was two months later. And Tucker even claimed that he had had a hand injury in the Buster Douglas fight, continued with the hand injury and sparring. 60 days was too quick. Tyson was too much. I don't know if you gave him five chances to beat Mike Tyson if you would have ever beaten him. I don't know. I don't, he, he did last the distance, though, Marquise. we got to go back he, in time and remember that. He did last the 12 rounds. Tyson couldn't knock him out. As uh, as the broadcast mentioned when, when the fight happened in 1987, Sugar Ray Leonard mentioned that Tucker gave up a valiant effort d- despite losing wide on points, 118, 113, and such. And it's interesting that he that he fought pretty much with one hand and was kind of shuffling around. He was clenching a lot. It was a very ugly fight for Tyson. Uh, not very Tyson. That's where, where at, at that point, as you know, TJ, it was pretty much uh, three rounds and out with Tyson at, at this point in juncture with these heavyweights. Well, and he he subsequently would just destroy the rest of the division, including eventually fighting Michael Spinks the next year in 1988, and that fight lasted like less time than we've been talking about Tony Tucker and Michael Spinks and, and who was going to fight Tyson. So uh, that fight was over with in one round, and Tyson actually defended the title, what, six times as undisputed champion before... Yes. Buster Douglas got him in Tokyo in February of 1990 in, in the all-time upset. The upset of all ages. And with that fight with, with, with that, that fight in 87 with, with Tyson and Tucker, making Tyson the undisputed heavyweight champion was the best thing happening with him. And it also made him the first undisputed champion, of course, since Leon Spinks, which you mentioned we wrote about. How about on that for a trivia? How about that for a trivia question? Because they, they, right? they had not had an undisputed one since uh, Spinks beat Ali and what happened was, what was it, the, the WBC stripped Muhammad Ali uh, because he refused to fight Ken Norton again. And so yeah. that's why the belts were fractured all the way up until, uh, up until this time when they finally got it all together and Tyson held on to it for about three years and six title defenses. And, and obviously there have been undisputed heavyweight champs um, since then in Lennox Lewis being one of them and Vladimir Klitschko being another one. So uh, interesting that... Um, that, that that happened 32 years ago. And then on Friday, I love this uh, for the BigFightWeekend.com uh, website. If you're hearing the podcast, you'll see this recap uh, that'll be up on the website on Friday. Thomas Hitman Hearns. We were introduced to him. My God, am I this old? 39 years ago on Friday, August 2nd, 1980, the hitman really became a nationwide, if not worldwide, phenomenon. And this is your town, right? You're a Detroit guy. Yes. Maurice Johns. Motown and the Joe Louis Arena had Thomas Hearns' destruction of the, of the Mexican uh, world welterweight champion Pepino Cuevas. Ernesto Pepino Cuevas uh, had defended, I believe, nine times in a row successfully the welterweight championship, the WBC welterweight championship, and Hearns absolutely jackhammered him with the with the legendary 
well-known big right hand and knocked him out in the second round, and suddenly most of America and most of the boxing world now knew who Thomas Hitman Hearns was. Which was impressive because mentioning Hearns was being dominant as well, but Pitbull Cuevas wasn't actually a pushover. He had that built for four years before Thomas destroyed him in the yep. second round. And it was a great coming out party. It would later lead in the following year in 81 to the Sugar Ray Leonard epic fight that Leonard won coming from behind uh, to stopping uh, Hearns in the 14th round. It would lead to uh, Hearns eventually destroying Roberto Duran and capturing junior middleweight championship with a second round knockout. Hearns then the the phenomenal three round war with Marvin Hagler that he lost. But he, he later got his hands back on Leonard and it ended up being a draw. Uh, with he and Sugar Ray Leonard much later in their careers in 1990, and Thomas Hearns fought into the 1990s, uh, still uh, even into the early uh, 2000s uh, as a fighter. But yeah, the Hitman really became a, I know I've said it a couple times, a nationally known commodity August 2nd, 1980. So we love the historical pieces that we get to write on BigFightWeekend.com, do we not, Marquise Johns? Absolutely, because the fights from the past are always exciting, and they're never dull fights that we review on BigFightWeekend.com. And that, <laughs> that's they, true. And that's the best part. I that's love going. I love going back, and you you look at the ring, for example, that has no ads in it because nobody had thought of it at that point. Uh, you know, and in a lot of cases, the crowd. You know, it's kind of like an everyman crowd. It's not thousand dollar, five thousand dollar ringside seats. I mean, when Hearn scores that knockout, there's like fifteen of his friends, buddies, <laughs> fans, whoever that are in the ring, mobbing him and hugging him like he scored the winning touchdown for the Detroit Lions in the Super Bowl, or or like he's Isaiah Thomas making the winning basket in the NBA Finals for the Pistons. I love seeing that. I love seeing what it what it used to be back in the old school. I love that, TJ. And I also like, depending on what arena it was, because mainly until Don King took over in the 80s, had this concept where it's like a lot of the old fights in the late, especially the late 70s, early 80s, with, like, with lighting in the crowd, either, oh, yeah. you had, either, you, either you saw the whole crowd or it was pitch black. There was no in Well, that Tyson, that. you saw it and you put the link up there on YouTube. The Tyson fight was in the ballroom of the Las Vegas Hilton that had probably about 2,000 seats in, yeah. inside the Las Vegas Hilton in their little Hilton Center ballroom, their big uh a conference Banquet area setting. that's yeah, like, like a, a yeah setting. i mean it, it was an exp- i'm not making it out to be a tiny venue uh that only had a few hundred seats but it's not like they fought in a huge uh arena and they, and they would begin to fight as you jog my memory they would begin to fight in vegas outside in the parking lot of the casinos several of the huge i mean the hearns hagler one that i mentioned <laughs> yeah. was outside of i think caesar's palace uh, I want to say when Leonard and Hearns fought in 81, that was the same thing. It was like the outdoor parking lot of one of the <laughs> casinos because they didn't have an arena big enough and they brought in temporary seats and made essentially a boxing uh, arena that, that could have 10,000 or 12,000 fans. They didn't have a venue big enough uh, for that to happen. So back in the day, that's that's what it, when you saw those Larry Holmes heavyweight title fights, for the most part, unless they were fighting at Madison Square Garden, for the most part, if they were fighting in Las Vegas, they were fighting in a smaller venue at Caesar's Palace or uh, or the, the Hilton or the Mirage or one of those that was inside and smaller. And in the bigger ones, they would fight outside in the parking lot. I love it. In the parking lot of the casino uh, for those. So anyway, I don't know how we got on. All of that, but it, uh, yeah, the venue of Joe Lewis Arena, the legendary home of the of oh. the Red Wings for so many years yes. and many years ago, the Pistons playing basketball 
That had Thomas Hearns' fights early in his career, the Motor City Cobra, the hitman. So it's part of nostalgia on BigFightWeekend.com. Maybe, favorite you know thing what? About Joe, yeah, go ahead. About Joe Lewis, yeah, favorite thing about Joe Lewis Arena teaching, because being from Detroit, the, the higher up in the bleachers you got, the more questionable and more rustic the seats were, I can guarantee you, <laughs> and that's well documented. <laughs> Especially the the uh, the years that went by in that arena, and the '80s became the '90s, and the '90s became the turn of the century. Yes. Uh, maybe we'll get a big time knockout, a Thomas Hearns esque knockout this weekend from Adam Kownowski in, in the Fox main event, Michael Conlon in the ESPN Plus main event, one of these undercards. Let's see what happens. I do know this: you'll be writing about it on the website. Plug away on where we can read you, on where you're tweeting on social media. Go ahead, sir. Absolutely, TJ. BigFightWeekend.com is the website for all my writings and news articles about all things boxing, past, present, and future. You can always find me on Twitter at WeekSauceRadio, all one word. Still pound for pound, TJ, the best Twitter handle out there. I'm challenging anybody and everyone listening to this to find me a better one. I'm usually talking boxing there all the time with various, various media members, various fans, even troll accounts. I don't really care. It's boxing. I'm all for it. I'm all for the debate, all for the discussion. You can find me there at WeekSauceRadio. Also, you can find this weekend with these fights, hopefully, Kanowski will, with, with, with his style, will either knock out Ariola or vice versa. Because, as you know, TJ, you, you may have mentioned with Woodsy, Ariola has one way of fighting. That's coming at you. So maybe he may run into one, maybe he may not, but we'll find out. And either way, if we do, BigFightWeekend.com will have the recap for you. Yep. Recaps, previews, historical perspective. Go check us out. Marquise does a great job. He's the main guy writing. I fill in sometimes. You hear from our buddy uh, David Payne, the boxing writer in the UK, as well as some other writers that join us and chime in on the news, on opinion, on on the famous previous fights. BigFightWeekend.com. Marquise, I always love the insight. Let's hope we get some good ones. We like to say this. Let's hope we get some good ones this weekend to be writing about more on the site. Thank you for hopping on the podcast with me. Absolutely, TJ. I'm looking forward to it this weekend. There we go. There is Marquise Johns. My thanks to Michael Woods, Woodsy, uh, NewYorkFights.com, NYFights.com, Woodsy1069 on trivia on uh, Twitter. He also joined me earlier in the podcast talking Kownowski, this Areola fight. It's in New York. It's at the Barclays Center Saturday night, PBC on Fox. Michael Conlon earlier in the day, if you're listening to us on Saturday from Northern Ireland on ESPN+. Plus. Let's see what happens with the fights. And we thank you for being with us. Subscribe, iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, here to Big Fight Weekend. Spread the word for the Big Fight Weekend podcast. I'm TJ Reeves. Enjoy the fights and keep it locked in to Big Fight Weekend. The comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car-selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today.